Well, uh, happy Mothering Sunday to the few mothers that are here. <laughs> um, uh, it's always odd for me to, uh, to preach on Mothering Sunday. Um, uh, first of all, because uh, in, in the U.S. we call it Mother's Day, and in this country it's Mothering Sunday. It's a different day, actually, uh, if you weren't aware. Um, but it's uh, perhaps even more odd because I am not a mother. Um, never have, probably never will. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, for me to be here uh, preaching on this day, um, you know, I, 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 I have a mother, of course. Uh, I'm married to a mother, um, and I have a mother-in-law, and, you know, perhaps there will be other mothers in my life, uh, possibly a child, I don't know. We, we don't know. Um, and uh, so I speak as one who knows mothers, but have never been a mother. Um, I remember last, uh, last year for Mothering Sunday, I preached also. Uh, and I remember uh, that um, Sunday, I, I spoke a, a bit about my own mother and uh, the love that, that she expressed uh, to me and, and that, um, the, the life of love that she expressed. Um, uh, today, I, I, I thought, you know, I, I, we should reflect a little bit about the mother that uh, I see on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> um, my own wife, um, who uh, I was uh, with in particular, and I, and I just wanted to highlight two episodes. And the two episodes uh, being the births of our children. Okay, Because that, of course, is the, a climactic moment in a mother's life, I, I presume, I don't know for sure, certain, but I presume it's a climactic point for, for mothers. Um, I remember in particular uh, our first child. Uh, it was a very, um, uh, he did not want to come out, uh, but he was supposed to come out uh, because of uh, certain um, uh, uh, medical situations. And I re- recall um, uh, the birth being induced Several days later, um, uh, 24 hours of labor, I remember I was there with, um, with Betty and uh, my mother-in-law. And my mother-in-law and I were in the room with Betty. This was a time in which I never saw my mother-in-law pray so much before this day. Uh, that day in particular, she was praying a lot because it was a very trying labor. Um, and after about 24 hours of uh, pushing and not coming out and pushing and still not coming out, um, it ended in a cesarean, uh, emergency cesarean, um, uh, which was uh, uh, an ordeal by itself. Um, but uh, when, when child number one came out, of course, all that is gone, right? And all joy comes. Child number two um, also did not want to come out. Um, and child number two was, uh, I think, was it one week or two weeks, two weeks late? It was some, something like one, one, one to two weeks late. Um, she was quite late. Um, and it was, uh, I remember sleeping one night and Betty saying, um, it's time. <laughs> time for what? <laughs> uh, time, to, time to go to the hospital. I was like, oh, okay. 
Um, and I remember going to the hospital. Uh, it was early in the morning. And we, we went to the hospital, and we're in the hospital. And throughout uh, the labor, this was not as long of a labor, um, but there was a lot of blood loss. Um, so much blood loss that the, the doctor that was on hand uh, lost count of how much blood was lost. And I had to say, um, excuse me, that's incorrect. It should be this much blood that is lost. I was like, oh, okay. And, and I remember um, very clearly the, uh, the uh, it was a, a very um, uh, a difficult um, uh, birth in, in its own right. And I remember very much when, when, our, when number two was born, uh, initially placed on, on Betty, but then um, there was still blood being lost. And so baby number two was taken and given to me, and I'm holding this newborn child while my, um, <laughs> oh, sorry, I, I think I would get so emotional. Um, but I was, <laughs> you got it. You got, you got, you got it, yeah. So I was, I was uh, yes, holding this newborn child and uh, my wife right there uh, with, with, oh, uh, it's hot in here. <laughs> uh, excuse me. <laughs> yes, so um, I was holding a newborn child and uh, Betty was there and um, the doctors and staff were around, lots of blood and every so often I'd look at Betty, her eyes would be shut. I'm like, Betty, Betty, yeah, you, you all right? Yeah, I'm just closing my eyes. Okay, well, let, let's not close our eyes too long. <laughs> and, and I remember, um, uh, you know, a nurse asking me to sit in the corner because I was in the way of all the staff that were in the room. Um, and I remember, uh, uh, once again, praying um, uh, for the situation. And, uh, and actually, even by the time I left, blood was still being lost. Uh, but the nurses said, nope, this, it, it's fine to lose some more blood now, um, but you know, it'll, it'll be okay, you, you, you go home and, and rest. And I was like, are you sure? I was like, yeah, 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 you go home. I was like, uh, okay. <clears throat> Now, in, in why, oh, so, excuse me, you're, you're wondering, what in the world has this to do with the sermon? Um, so I, I think in, um, as I was reflecting uh, about uh, today in particular as uh, Mothering Sunday, and I was thinking about um, these two episodes in particular, these two episodes of birth, these two episodes that are the defining moment as a mother, if you will, Right? Um, these two moments in which uh, there are people who are around this person to support this person in their journey to become a mother, right? Um, I don't know what it means to be a mother myself. I can only imagine. Um, but uh, I, I know that, uh, you know, in both times, uh, um, it was it was with with many prayers 
that sustained us. And indeed, it was a lot of work. Not so much for me, I, I, I should say, of course, um, but it was a lot of work, in, in particular for, for Betty. But um, along with that work and along with um, uh, the presence of myself and, and, and my mother-in-law to support uh, Betty in this journey. Now, why, um, when, when we think about episodes like these, we think about episodes in our lives, um, which are a combination of wonderful promises of goodness, and yet also a calling to persevere and to fight for those promises. And it relates in, in uh, many ways to our story, um, our, our passage today in Nehemiah. That in Nehemiah, we have uh, a, a story of um, a people who have a promise, who have this thing that is before them of what God is doing in their lives and about to do, to bring about uh, into their lives. And along with these promises uh, and expectations also come challenges. Um, of course, uh, you know, with, with childbirth, there's its own challenges. But here in our story today, uh, in chapter 4 of Nehemiah, we, we hear about a people who, as they work towards a promise of restoring the temples uh, in Jerusalem and the walls around Jerusalem, they desire to restore things and bring about anew. Um, and in many ways, it, is, it, it, it echoes uh, this, this idea of childbirth, right? This birthing of something that is new. And this birthing of something that uh, needs to be uh, fought for uh, in many ways. Um, and in this story, in, in particular for today, we have this passage in Nehemiah chapter 4, where the Jews are uh, working to build uh, the walls. And there is the people who are around this, uh, them, watching them. Um, this person named Sanballat, this, another person named Tobiah. And, the, and these individuals are uh, chiding, are, are criticizing um, the Jews. And so in verse, uh, verse 2 of our passage, uh, Sanballat says, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? And, and it's quite an interesting a uh, few words that, that Sambalat says, because he's criticizing them for being weak, for being feeble. And actually, they are weak. They are feeble. They're the Jews, right? And they're a conquered people. They were conquered by the Assyrians and then the Babylonians, and now under another empire, the Persians. And it is only because the Persian king let the Jews return to build the temple, to build the city, and now to build the city wall that they are able to return. So these criticisms are actually playing on the Jews' own sense of insecurity. 
Sambalat and his allies are telling the Jews how incapable they are to do the work themselves and that they need the help of others. And I suspect that for many of us, um, when we have different aspirations in life, um, whether it's to have a child or, you know, to, you know in, in our works or in, in our um, uh, lives, uh, wherever we are, whatever we do, you know, there are certain times in which we are met with criticisms. And these criticisms may actually be true in a sense, right? That they, they, they highlight those things that we feel we're most vulnerable of. And yet these are the types of criticisms that Sambalot is bringing. And then he goes on in verse 2, he says, will, will they restore for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of heaps of rubbish and burnt ones at the altar? Right? So he's not just criticizing them for being weak, for being feeble. He's also criticizing them as a people who aren't able to finish their task. You may start, but don't think you can finish. You, may, it may, um, you, you don't realize how big of a job this is. You know, are you really going to finish? Are you really going to persevere? Are you a starter but not a finisher? Even if you do finish, you don't realize how pathetic everything will be. You know, you're looking through rubbish, a junk pile, to produce something out of it. So while the earlier criticisms played on the Jews' sense of inadequacy, here, their criticisms speak into the unsurmountable nature of the task. Not only are they incapable, the Jews don't even realize how impossible this job is. And then we see in verse 3 with Tobiah the Ammonite, he says, Yes, what are they building? If a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Right? So, so what he's saying is that, you know, you know, they don't know what they're building. You know, what they're building is, is just going to come down even if a little fox hops on it. It, ha- it has no protection whatsoever. And so these taunts that Sambala and, um, and Tobiah offer are quite, quite harsh, quite demoralizing. They play onto the insecurities and the, the, um, uh, the, the things that, that the Jews feel already. You know, how many of these Jews are actually trained as tradesmen to build a wall? You know, I don't know how much, uh, how many of you uh, have ever tried a DIY kind of a thing, right? Trying to fix something in your home, you know, and uh, and you realize why you pay people to do it uh, when you do, you know, <laughs> um, because not ever, you know, not the average person knows how to do all these different things, right? Imagine being sent to build a wall to protect a city. <laughs> Right? Okay, let's, okay, hold on. Let's go build a wall to protect the city, right? What, what does that mean, right? We don't know anything, you know? How, how can we do such a thing, right? And, and the, the, the people around them, they're just reinforcing that. What are you guys doing? You guys aren't tradesmen. You guys don't know how to build a wall, you know? You, you, whatever you build is ins- insignificant 
it's you are weak. You don't realize the scale of what you're doing and what you're building won't stand a chance. Not even a fox. Fox's weight will, it will hold. It's interesting uh, how Nehemiah responds in verse 4. And he responds in a prayer. Hear, O our, our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in the land where they are captives. And goes on and talks about their guilt and, and, and their sin and, and all, all this uh, anger and the, uh, in, uh, of God. Now, what's interesting about this prayer is, um, uh, you know, oftentimes when, when, when people struggle with things, you know, um, and you see this in, in social media, if you're on social media, you know, when, when uh, something happens out, you know, it, uh, um, something, you know, disastrous happens, you know, you, you, you see people, you know, on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, you're talking about, you know, uh, thoughts and prayers, you know, thoughts and prayers. And, you know, in, in some ways, prayers are this typical answer if you will, for a Christian, right? Things aren't going your way, pray about it, right? But this prayer here is actually much more than that. Um, and I, I like to just uh, pull out a few things um, in this prayer that I, I thought was quite interesting. First of all, he starts, Hear, O our God. Okay, why do I start with this? Hear, O our God. He's praying to God. Of course, right? Why is this important? Actually, if you look in the, the earlier passages in uh, Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4, verse 5, uh, chapter 2, verse 4, verse 20, these passages talk about God not as God, but God in heaven. Why is that important? Because when Nehemiah is praying, oh, our God. He's speaking about God closely, okay? Now, just, just a quick uh, uh, little nuance in language uh, throughout the Bible. Um, after, the end of, after the temple was uh, destroyed, the first temple was destroyed, God leaves the temple, right? Goes to heaven. And so God in the Old Testament, after the destruction of the temple, is always referred to as heaven or God in heaven, okay? And we see this also in the Gospels, in particular the Gospel of Matthew, whereas all the other Gospels are written um, mainly to uh, Gentile audiences. The Gospel of Matthew is written to Jews, and that is the one Gospel that it talks about the kingdom of heaven is near, not the kingdom of God, okay? All the other Gospels talk about the kingdom of God, but for Jews, after the destruction of the temple, God is in heaven. God is no longer in our midst. Okay? So God is in heaven, which highlights this distance of, of, of who God is. But here, when Nehemiah is praying, this is after he's been negotiating these things with, uh, with Artaxerxes and, and uh, with the people, and he's He's saying, oh, God of heaven, you know, has provided these things and, and you know, as, as very distant. But as he's praying more and more, he realizes that God is close. And he speaks about God as God. He prays to God who is nearby. And I think this is quite interesting because for him, 
And I think also for us, the more we pray, the more we speak to God, the more our relationship is nourished with God. And this is, of course, true of any relationship you know, that, uh, that we have. The more time we spend with uh, another person, the closer we are drawn to them, hopefully. And, and you know, there, there's a development of trust and, uh, and understanding uh, increases. But also in this prayer, what is interesting is that, you know, Nehemiah, he prays, turn back their taunts on their heads. Give them up to plunder, right? These are uh, not nice prayers. <laughs> it is not a um, love your neighbor kind of a prayer, <laughs> okay? This is a uh, dash my enemies against the rocks kind of a prayer, okay? <laughs> this is a, a, a prayer of um, judgment that Nehemiah is praying. And I think that this connects to that earlier point in which I was saying that God is no longer God of heaven, but that God is closer to Nehemiah. And as, as God is closer to Nehemiah, there's a greater sense of understanding of what is God's character. That God is indeed a God of love, but he is also a God of justice. And so we learn um, uh, uh, from Nehemiah, we see that his heart, um, uh, he is able to see the heart of God, and he's able to gain a greater sense for who God is and what God wants of this world. And he knows that what is happening is not right. He knows what is happening is sinful. And he asks for God to judge them. He asks for God to bring justice. Ultimately, it's because God's plans are for the building of the, the, the wall. And God's plans will not go unthwarted. And so, after this prayer we have in verse 6, so we built, so we built the wall, and all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. So they built. And so it's not just thoughts and prayers, but it's prayers followed by action. It's prayers and action. Um, it is not... Uh, 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 it, it is uh, petitions to God and partnering with God. And here in this passage, what we see is that not only did they build, uh, build it, the wall, but the wall came together. Uh, and it was half the height, half its, its uh, um, planned height, right? So they are continuing to build it. What I find interesting about this is, you know, when we, when we think about what's happening, right? And, and uh, Chu talked about this uh, last week in which uh, chapter 3 in particular, um, Nehemiah uh, is talking about how, you know, the, the people are, are divided into different parts. Because this is a massive wall, right? It's a wall around a city, right? So they've got to, like, build in, in parts, and they're building in different sections, right? And as, as different people are building different parts, they have their own part of the wall that they got to focus on. And, you know, maybe, you know, uh, you know, me and Colin were building two different parts of the wall and he, he grabs from the same pile that I'm grabbing from. I'm like, dude, you got to get your own pile, 
right? Get your own pile and, and do, you know, don't get in my way. I got to build my part of the wall. You build your part of the wall, right? And, and you know, you could, you could imagine that actually, even as they're all building the wall, they've got their own parts that they're focused on. And that can lead to conflict. But what we see here is we see that there's a, a working towards a singular goal, that they're working together. And, and there's this phrase in the end of verse 6, for the people had a mind to work. I don't know why it's translated that in, in the ESV. In the NIV, it's translated, people worked with all their heart. Okay? That's still a slightly odd translation, but um, uh, just uh, a nuance in, 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 in the, the, uh, the language. Um, heart and mind in Hebrew is the same word. Okay? So, so this is, that's why it's translated differently in, in different translations. But the, the point is, that here, they had one mind, one heart, okay? And this is a phrase that we adopt in English from actually the Hebrew phrasing, okay? Uh, you know, it doesn't make sense to say, oh, we are all of one mind, one heart. In, in the Hebrew, this, this idea is there is such a unity, there's such a unified effort that we are working towards, with determination, towards a common goal, working together and able to progress for the task at hand, and they are united in their efforts. This is not to say that they are doing the exact same thing, okay? Because they're all building different parts of the wall, but they had the same goal, and they are working to build uh, the same wall and ultimately building back the glory for God. And I think about it um, uh, in, in, in terms of... Uh, um, for for Betty and myself, you know, as as parents, you know, oftentimes, you know, so, sometimes, you know, we're we're trying to figure out something uh, with the kids or something like that, and um, we 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 may get into an argument. Okay, I know it seems odd, right? But yes, we, we there's occasions that we do get in arguments. Anyhow, um, uh, and and on that, those rare occasions that we get in arguments, you know, and, you know, when, when it's involving our children, you know, oftentimes, you know, if, if we stand back. You know, we realize that we are actually fighting for the same thing. We are fighting for our children, okay, in, in, as a parent, right? And so we're fighting for the same thing. But the, the fact of the matter is that both of us, we have, we have differences in our approach to things, right? Or we may have different abilities to support our children in something, right? Um, or different amounts of uh, uh, time or energy to dedicate but ultimately, it is a partnership working together towards the same goal. In the case of parenting, towards the flourishing of our children. In the case here of the flourishing of the, uh, the building of the wall and, and, and bringing back the glory to God. And so here, this passage, we see this conflict that, is, uh, that has begun by the neighbors around who are taunting, who are bringing about ridicule and trying to show to the Jews how weak they are, how inadequate they are, how insufficient they are. But for the Jews, they are to lift it up to God. They are to pray to God and to know that God is near and to, to be reminded of how near God is, but also to work together, to work together towards this goal. But as we look beyond this, uh, these, uh, these verses, um, seven and on, we see how 
Sambalat and Tobiah, they realize that the Jews are not listening to them. They're not listening to the taunts. And so they double down. They taunt even more. And they plot against them. They plot to kill them. Okay, so this is quite serious, right? And, but for the Jews, you know, there's this uh, interesting discussion, um, you know, in verses 10 and on, in which the Jews, there's a growing sense, oh, can we actually do it? I don't know. You know, there's a sense of hopelessness that is beginning to be there. Maybe our enemies have said it right. Maybe this is too tall of a wall to build. Maybe we will get killed by our enemies. And then we have in verse 14, we have here um, the rally cry of Nehemiah. Do not be afraid of them, Nehemiah says. Do not be afraid of your enemies. Remember the Lord. Remember God, who is great and awesome. And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, and your wives, and your homes. Right? Here we have the battle cry speech. Right. And I was thinking about this, you know, I was like, what, what are the battle cry speeches that we hear? You know, uh, the, the immediate one that came to my mind was uh, Independence Day. I don't know, you, you guys ever watch Independence Day? No, no. Oh, maybe that dates me. Uh, <laughs> Bill Pullman, he's, he's the president of the United States and he gives this whole, this is our independence. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. Oh, dude. <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, Braveheart, you know, <laughs> no Gibson. <laughs> We're in Scotland, right? So, you know, but, but, you know, you, 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 you listen to these battle cry speeches, right? These, these speeches in these movies. And it's like, you know, freedom, right? Or indep- uh, independence, right? This is our independence. You know, these, these cries for the people to, to rally them for this cause. In a sense, these, this, uh, what, what Nehemiah is giving us in verse 14 is quite different from these movies. In that the courage the motivation, the strength comes not from us as humans, but it comes from us who remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Okay? To remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And this is actually a really interesting turn of words. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. Okay? This is a, it, it, this invokes something for the Jewish people, okay? Because they are taught to remember the Lord. They are taught from, from young, Jews are taught the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, okay? And you are taught to remember this. You are taught to pass it on to your children. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, now, these are words that in, our, in the English language, we've actually very much uh, done away with, okay? We, we have, we have uh, taken away the grandeur of these words. To be great and to be awesome, this word awesome in particular, is something that says that from what has happened, from who this person, who this being is, we are in awe we can only bow down to. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome. He is with you. He is the one who is with you. He is the one 
Who is going to fight with you? And so fight. Do not be afraid and fight. For your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. This is a great and awesome God. And so it's, it's quite different from many of these movies, but in a sense it is also like uh, these, these movie battle cries because the courage and motivation and strength comes not only from us as individuals, but us who work together for a common cause. And so we as Christians, we are able to live because of God. We are able to live and remember that when we live, we remember the Lord, who is great and awesome. And that we have purpose, because our purpose is not in our own individual goals and in life or whatever alone, but they are in the greater purposes that God has for us. He is with us, and he has sent others to work beside us. So the passage continues, and we're not going to go into it, but the passage continues with Nehemiah instructing the Jews to take turns working on the wall and standing guard. They aren't an army. They aren't tradesmen, okay? But they are told that they need to do both, okay? So, you know, you, when you're not working on the wall, you, you defend your brothers, Okay, in, in case it's, it's, it's all brothers, okay, so it's not a gender issue. It's all brothers in this case, right? So you're either building the wall or you're, 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 you're defending. And you take guard. And, and, and if you're not taking guard, then you're building. And they take turns. And they're, they're both holding weapons and holding tools at the same time. It is a dire situation. But this is not an impossible situation. It is a situation that God has for them, that God has equipped them, that God has a purpose for them, and God is working with them. And so as we think about this passage, um, I'd like to ask you to reflect on yourself. And, and I just have a very simple question. How are you feeling today? How are you feeling right now? Do you feel feeble? Do you feel insecure? Do you feel that you've been conquered? Do you feel that you're battered in your life? that uh, what you are called to has been thwarted by others? Do you feel exhausted or overwhelmed? Um, in many ways, I, I, I think I feel that way in my day-to-day -day these days, that there's too much to do, and that what, what is there is too big of a task to do. How are you feeling right now? And as you think about that, I also want to ask you, how close are you to God right now? 
Is God in heaven? Or is God before you? Indeed, I think even for Nehemiah, God is there, present, working. But so much of the psyche for the Jews after the conquest was that God is nowhere near, that God is in heaven. And I think oftentimes for us, when we feel um, overwhelmed, when we feel battered, we feel as though we are distant from God. But God is not only in heaven, but God is before us, and God is within us, working for us and with us. And we are not alone. We are not alone because we are Christians, and we are called to support one another as Christians. And I, I, I was uh, thinking um, again um, about Mothering Sunday, and uh, you know the, the the stories that I I, I started with, you know, um, and I, I think you know it's it's amazing. Um, uh, birth is amazing, right? It's an amazing uh, miracle that life can come through birth. And, you know, if, if you look at the statistics of it all and everything, you know, it's, it, 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 it's tough. Um, and it's amazing to think that mothers uh, in our midst uh, bring such life into the world. Um, but indeed, as I, I said with uh, child one and child number two, um, our testimonies of uh, that um, it is not just the mother alone that brings life um, into this world, but others who cheer that mother on, holding up one another, and especially in earnest prayers for one another. And as individuals, we have our own tasks, our own ambitions, and our own pursuits. But as Christians, we are called to live our lives and live our tasks for God's glory and called to support one another in that journey, to move alongside one another. And like the Jews here, building this wall, not for building a wall's sake, okay, but building a wall so that God's glory may be known, that we may be of one mind, of one heart, of one focus for the glory of God. Let's pray. Indeed, God, we give thanks to you, for you are our God. You're a God in heaven. You're a God on earth. You're a God who speaks to us even when we do not hear you. And I pray that in, in our midst, in, in our congregation, um, and even beyond our congregation, that for many of us, I, I suspect we struggle and we hurt. Maybe for some of us, we feel insecure or battled, 
battered. Maybe for others of us, we feel exhausted and overwhelmed. But we are reminded that the enemy's plans are constantly thwarted. Reminded of your hand in our lives and your hand in all that we do. And we are reminded of Nehemiah's cry to the Jews. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome. Fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your spouses, and your homes. And all God's people said, Amen.